0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We've been in the book of Acts, I believe it's our 12th week. And um, are y'all learning anything? Okay. I hope you do. I am. And so we're going, we're going to jump in. We, we've been preaching verse by verse and just letting God's work, word do the work. How I many know it's better when God's word does the work? It takes the pressure off me. I ain't got to come up with new stuff because it's right there. And so, uh, But if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can look on the screen. Every note that's in front of me is going to be on the screen so you can write it down, take a picture with your phone, whatever you want to do. That's for you. And take it home with you and study it and learn it and apply it. How many of you got to apply it? The word of God is like a can of paint. It doesn't work unless you apply it. How I many of you can have cans of paint all over your garage, but until you stick a paintbrush in it and put it on the wall, nothing changes. The word of God is the same way. You can hear it all day long, but until you apply it to your life, The walls of your heart will not change. So apply this thing. Go with me to Acts chapter 5. We're going to key in on one big theme today. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 18. It says, now many signs and wonders, somebody say signs and wonders, were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. And yet as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. But the high priest rose up and all who were with them, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Somebody say, uh-oh. I want to preach a message to you this morning. We're going to look at the entire fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And there's one overwhelming theme. And here's the theme, and here's my title today. Simply this, obedience, no matter what. Obedience. Obedience. No matter what. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. God, speak to us today. Change us, God. We thank you for today. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Obedience, no matter what. No matter what. I want to give you a a, a working definition of biblical obedience. What does it mean to to biblically obey? Here, Here it is. Biblical obedience is to hear, trust, submit, And surrender to God and his word. That's what biblical obedience is. It's to hear God's word, trust his word, surrender and submit to God and his word. What it says to do, that's what obedience is. So God's desire for us, everyone in this room, is is to hear him. How many know God wants you to hear him? He wants you to know what his voice sounds like. The only way you can understand what his voice sounds like is to get in proximity, to get close enough to him to hear it. You have to learn it. As he speaks and you listen, you hear him. His desire is for us to hear him, to trust what he says, and submit and surrender to his word. That's obedience. How many of you know, though, that obedience is easy when it doesn't cost you? Obedience... Is easy when there's no opposition. How, 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 many, how many got kids? If you tell your kids, let's go get ice cream, how many know they're going to be obedient to get in the car? It, of course they are. But if you say, go clean your room, how many know they ain't going to walk as quick? Why? Because, because when there's opposition, it's harder to obey. Obedience is easy when, things are, when great things are happening. And in the first century, in, in the first five chapters of the book of Acts, great things are happening. It's, it's ice cream time. Every, oh yeah, we're going to obey. Why? Because God's doing great things. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. Peter and John are leading the charge. They're preaching the gospel. They're seeing all these things happen, but they're also becoming a threat to the religious system. So, so I want you to see this, that God is moving, but there's also opposition. These two are always, almost always synonymous how do you know when God's moving? Because there's going to be some resistance. And if all you're seeing is a resistance, then look past the resistance because chances are God's moving. So, so great things are happening, but they're sensing some opposition. But I, but I love the culture of the first century church because generosity and sacrifice is now the identity of this church. That they are sacrificially giving. They are very generous. We, we've read the last two weeks that, that people are selling land. They're selling belongings and are giving the proceeds to the church to meet the needs of the people. Here it is in Acts chapter 4, verse 34. I just want to recap just for a second. It says this, that says, there was not a needy person among them. Not one. Not one needy person among them. So watch this. Those that had shared with those that didn't. Did you see that? Now let me just be clear on something, okay? I don't want you to get this twisted. This was not a mandate and regulation of money and goods, Are you tracking with me? This wasn't take from one, give to another so everybody is equal and fair. That's what governments do. That's not what the church does. How many of you understand the government has a sharing system? The church has a sharing system. They are not the same. Are you tracking with me? What's the difference? The government gives handouts. The church gives hands-ups. You tracking with me? The government takes, everybody say takes, takes from one to give to another. In the first five chapters of Acts, there is no taking involved. Write write these three thoughts down really quick. Number one, there was communal sharing going on, but the communal sharing in Acts was totally voluntary. Okay, it was not forced. Nobody was coming and said, you, you make too much money. This guy doesn't make enough money. We're going to take from you, give to him. That, that's not what was happening. This was not forced. It was not mandated. The apostles didn't come and say, hey, you got too much land. Give it to these guys. That's not what was happening. Now, that's what governments do. Now, when, when the government does it, it implies coercion by the state. But when the body of Christ shares like this, all it implies is obedience to the spirit. Are you tracking with me? When the government does it, 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 it implies a clenched fist on somebody like, don't take that from me. Don't take it. It's too, that's too much, Mr. Government, Uncle Sam. Now, but when the church is doing it, they're saying, hey, hey, we feel like the Spirit is asking us to do this. I got an open hand. We want y'all to have some of this. Are you tracking with me? So in the book of Acts, believers contributed freely as they were led By the Spirit. That's the way that we're supposed to give anyway, isn't it? Isn't that what the Bible tells? Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Psalm 112, verse 9 says, they gave freely to those in need. So number one, in the book of Acts, it was voluntary. They gave freely. Number two, write this down. I want to teach you something this morning. Number two, the narrative was not a universal command. In other words, the text that we read in the book of Acts is descriptive, not prescriptive. Descriptive text describes an event or narrative that has already occurred. It is not a mandate for you as a believer or the reader to imitate it. Does that make sense? That's important for you to understand as you read Scripture because you're going to read things in Scripture that is just describing what has already happened. It's not a mandate or a prescription for you to repeat it. Can I give you an example? Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That is not a permission slip for you to go have more than one wife and a bunch of girlfriends. Are you tracking with me? It was just descriptive. It was describing what the text says. Okay, so it's it's descriptive. Now, prescriptive, we see scripture that is prescriptive. A prescriptive text prescribes the reader to do something. It indicates a command of action that should be imitated. It's saying this is a prescription for you to live. This is how you should live. When you get a prescription from the doctor, it tells you, Take this pill at this time with water and food. It's telling you how to do it. So we see scriptures that are prescriptive all the time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a description of what somebody else did. It's telling you what you should do. Are you, are you tracking with me? So when reading the Bible, you have to understand that reading the Bible is crucial But how you read it is also crucial. So when we read scripture, we have to understand, is it descriptive or prescriptive? The book of Acts primarily is descriptive. It's telling us history. It's telling us what happened. This is what they did. So Acts chapter 4 is descriptive. It's not a mandate that says all Christians should give all of their land to the church. That's not what it's saying. What you can do from a descriptive text is draw application from it. What was the overwhelming theme? So when we reach Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, when they gave, what we can do is say, why did they give? And the reason that they gave, here it is, was they were obedient to what they felt the Holy Spirit asked them to do. So the application that we get from a descriptive text is to be obedient to what God is asking each one of us to individually do. Are you tracking with me? And finally, then uh, these were legitimate. The, the, these were legitimate needs. How many know that everybody who asks for help, their needs aren't always legitimate? Are you tracking with me? The apostles had legitimate needs. They, they, they knew the people that were in the church. Uh, they, they, they knew the people that couldn't actually provide for themselves, so it was widows. It was special needs. It was a case-by-case scenario. So they were very wise with what they distributed. So when we read last week or the two weeks ago that Barnabas sold all of his land and they gave it to someone else, how many know the apostles didn't take that, ma- that, that money from the land and give it to old Jackie that blew all of his money gambling? They probably helped a widow. They probably helped someone who was Indeed, they they were wise. Let, let, let me paint this story in reality. Probably five or six years ago, um, at one of our campuses, not, not this campus, a, a lady came in who said, I, I have a need. And anytime people have legitimate needs, we, we sit down with them and say, okay, tell us your need. If it's a legitimate need, we're going to help you figure out the best way to take care of that need. We've been entrusted, as you heard Pastor Eugene say last week, we've been entrusted with stewarding the finances that you give the church to make the best decisions for people that come in people do come in all the time with needs our job is to help them understand why they're in that predicament and how not to get in that predicament again not just take care of the bill are you tracking with me so this lady comes in and she's like i got a need and y'all a big church and this is my church and y'all got to take care of this need And so okay we sit down with her and she's uh, we, we want to see your bills what you spending money on she said that ain't your business i said well if, if we're going to help you it is our business because we, we're not going to give you money and so she goes, well, well. here's my rent. And her rent was $3,000 a month. Yeah. And, and so our pastor that was sitting down with her said, uh, ma'am, you're going to have to downsize. You can't afford to live in this house. Well, God gave me that house. Well, if God gave you the house, he's going to give you the funds to pay for it. And, he, and it ain't through us. And she said, well, y'all should take care of this because in the book of Acts, they, they spread the wealth. I was like, you got us confused with the United States government. That's not what we're got, trying to do. <laughs> How many of you glad we said no to her? Okay. That wouldn't be wise. That wouldn't be wise. So, so in summary, we, we do see communal sharing and benevolence in Acts chapter 2 through 6. And, and the communal sharing always involves givers and receivers. There's always someone giving in the church. There's always someone receiving in the church. Now, Rachel and I have been on both sides of the spectrum. We've been in seasons when we didn't have a whole lot and we needed help. And people have helped us out. We've also been in seasons where God has blessed us and we've been able to be a blessing to others. Here's what I learned. Write this down. Here's what I've learned. When it comes to sharing like this in the church if you're on the giving end, your giving should be marked by generosity, obedience, and wisdom. You should be generous. We, we are a generous. You should be generous. If God has blessed you, it's to be a blessing. We should be obedient. There's times when God said, pay for their lunch. Like, I don't want to pay for lunch. Pay for their lunch. And, and I've paid for their lunch. But I've also been wise, too, because there's been people that have come to me and I felt sorry for, but if I would have given them and helped them out, how you know it would have hurt them, not helped them. So we got to be wise with that too. So if you're on the giving end, your giving should be marked by generosity, obedience, and wisdom. If you're on the receiving end, your receiving should be marked by, watch this, humility, honesty, and gratitude. Humility, not entitlement. This lady said, you owe me $3,000. No, we don't owe you anything. Come in here with a little humility and say, you know what, I blew it. I bought something that I couldn't pay for. Help me get out of this deal humility, be honest where you are, and some of the most powerful words in life, thank you. Thank you. Gratitude. As a church, I love Pastor Jacob's heart, Pastor Eugene's heart. We're going to be a generous, obedient, and wise church. And maybe if the church did this more often, the government wouldn't have to step in and screw everything up. All right. I'm moving on. I gave you six words. I gave you Generosity, honesty, humility, wisdom, gratitude, and obedience. All words not used to describe Ananias and Sapphira who we read about last week. Remember Acts 4, they sold everything, they gave their money. People were bringing their money, like we just said, giving it to the church. Y'all remember the story, Ananias, Sapphira came and they sold a little piece of land, come to the church with their money, but they only gave a portion of the money. But they pretended like they gave all the the money, So they weren't wise with their money, they weren't generous with the money, they, they weren't humble with it because they wanted everybody to think they gave more, and so they pretended, y'all remember that, that was the last two weeks of messages, and then all of a sudden God kills them, that brings us into Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, we see this beautiful picture of both the severity of God and the kindness of God, we see the severity of God because he kills Ananias and Sapphira, I mean, you know, that is very severe. They drop dead. But we also see the kindness of God. Now go with me back to Luke 12. Now we're going to see the kindness of God. It says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Remember Acts chapter 3 when the lame man gets healed outside the church. It says he runs into Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch, Solomon's colonnade. He dances in there. This is the outer courts of the temple. This is the meeting place for the believers to come. So we see all the believers are there. Everyone who was affiliating with Christ was in this place. And here's what it says about them and their relationship with the apostles. Watch this. None of them, none of the believers, uh, none of the rest, dared join them. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So, they're getting saved. They're just not joining the apostles. Why wouldn't they join the apostles? Because the last time they saw the apostles, two people died at the altar in the church. They're scared. They're like, hey, we don't know if we want to join this club. I mean, we, we heard if you don't give enough, then boom, you're dead. And so, so they're freaking out a little bit, but, but they're coming to Christ, so they're, they're getting saved. Luke tells us that more than ever, multitudes of both men and women were getting saved. And look what these saved people do. Verse 15, they carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats. That is, Peter came by, at least his shadow might. They're saying, if I could just get close to this dude's shadow, he'll heal me. So they're laying people out in the streets. They don't even have room in the portico anymore. It says, the people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem. So now the word is getting out, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all, all, all Healed. So, up until this point in the book of Acts, the only miracle documented is a lame man that we read a few weeks ago that gets up, hadn't, hadn't walked in 40 years. He's healed. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're laying people on cots and mats in the street. People from Sunset and Grand Canto and bags are coming. All these people are coming like, we got to get to Opelousas. It was Jerusalem. Like, we got to get there. Just to see what's going on. And it says, everyone that came, it says, all were healed. Why is this happening? They are experiencing an answer to a prayer that they prayed. Do you remember the prayer that they prayed? We read it three weeks ago. Here it is, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. I want to read the prayer that they prayed. Here it is. Now, Lord, look upon the threats. This is right after they get arrested the first time. And grant your service to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice this all starts with obedience to speak the word. Give us the boldness. Let us obey your command to speak the word. Are they speaking with boldness? Yes. Were healings taking place? Yes. Were signs and wonders being performed? Yes. Everything that they prayed for was happening. How many of you know that when God is answering your prayers, it's easy to be obedient? When everything is going good, when you got money in your wallet, when, when you have more money than you do bills, when the wife is good, when the dog is good, when the cat is good, the cat ain't ever good, when the kids are good, when everything is good, it's good. It's good, but when things aren't good, Sometimes when God asks you to do something when things aren't good, it's harder to do it. How many of you understand? You, it's easy to give in the offering when you've got money coming in. But how many know when, when you ain't got money coming in but God says give anyway, I don't know if that's you, God. All of a sudden, it's hard to be obedient. Things are good right now in the church. It, obedience is easy, but things are about to change. Look at verse 17 and 18. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with them, that is the, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, and they put them in public prison. Think about this. They're so jealous because now the, the, the apostles are getting the attention that the Jewish leaders thought they deserved. So while the apostles are obedient, obedient to preach Christ, the Sadducees were going to do everything they could to stop them. So they arrested them. This is now the second time they're arrested. And I, and I got to think that the, uh, the, the Sadducees are thinking, this is surely going to stop them. But listen to what Luke says. This is an incredible, this, this is like prison break right here. Here it is. But during the night, a bailiff opened the prison doors. During the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord Opened the prison doors and brought them out. That's like prison break right there. And said, hey, I'm opening the doors. Now you would think he would say, they're going to arrest y'all again, so go and hide. That's not what he says. He says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now watch this, verse 21. And when they heard this, this it's the middle of the night. They heard this, next words. They entered. no time lapse. They heard they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach and preach. Now the high priest came to check on them, you know, probably give them some bread and water, and, 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 and all together in the council of the Senate the people of Israel, they sent the prison they brought. But when the officers came verse 22, they did not find them in prison because they were broken out. So they returned the report and says, "We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, and they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this could come to. And someone came to him and said, look, I know where they're at. They're standing in the temple and teaching and preaching the exact same thing they got thrown in prison. They're at it again. Okay, I want you to see this. This is a picture of obedience. They were doing what the angel asked them to do when he asked them to do it. These, these guys are crazy. Y'all, they're like, you ever had the birthday candle that just wouldn't blow out? That's Peter. That's the apostles. (laughs) No matter what came against them, they just kept burning, baby. They were persecuted, arrested, and accused, but they kept coming. Why? Why? One word. Obedience. All they remember was what God had asked them to do from the very beginning. What Jesus asked them to do. See, the reason why they were doing what they were doing wasn't because of resilience. It was because of obedience. That's why they were doing what they asked him. They heard Jesus say, go and make disciples. They obeyed. They heard, go and preach the gospel. They obeyed. They heard, go and be my witness. They obeyed. They heard the angel of the Lord say, go back to the temple and preach no matter what. They obeyed. They go back and they obey. Now, now, how many you know the officers are getting a little mad now? They, 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 they've arrested them twice. One time they let them out. This time, prison break. Angel lets them out. So it says they're going to go back and get them. So then the captain was with the officers. verse 26. They they, they bring them back, but not by force, because they they were scared that if they went to the church and grabbed them by force, that the church people were going to stone them. So they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend... Uh, to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles said, we must obey God rather than man. What an incredible example. We're going to obey God. Let me tell you what he was saying. No matter what. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they think. I don't care if they cancel me. We're going to obey God no matter what. I don't care if they talk about me on social media. I don't care if it goes against the flow. I don't care what the political pundits say. We're going to obey God no matter what. I don't care how dark this world gets. I don't care how many sins are celebrated. We're going to obey God no matter what. God asked them to do it, and they did it. No questions asked. That is obedience. What area of your life is God asking you to be obedient in right now? I I think when it comes to obedience, there's two main areas or two main categories of of obedience. Both of them are necessary, but but it starts with this one. Number one, we, we, we must be obedient to God's word. First and foremost, when it comes to obedience, you have to be obedient to what God's Word says, what scripture says, what the Bible says. Why? Because the Bible is full of commands. It's it's full of do's and don'ts. It tells us how to live and how to love and how to give and how to forgive and how to surrender. It tells us all these things. So first and foremost, we must be obedient to, to God's words. Listen to me. It's not always gonna be easy. It's not always going to sit well with your flesh. It's not always going to make you excited. It's not always going to be rainbows and lollipops. You're not always going to want to do it. It's going to go against culture. If you read God's word and look at culture, God's word and culture don't combine. It's like oil and water. And you got to decide, which one of these things am I going to obey? Which one of these things am I going to give priority to in my life? Which voice am I going to listen to? You remember Deuteronomy chapter 5? I'll read it to you. You shall not bow down and worship any graven images. That's what God's Word says. Okay. Fast forward 400 and something years. King Nebuchadnezzar makes a 100-foot gold image of himself and says... When the music comes on, I don't care what you're doing, stop and bow down. Well, he does this one day. And there's three Hebrew boys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, We ain't doing that. We're going to obey God's word that says, Do not bow down to any graven image. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow. So Nebuchadnezzar says, We're going to throw you in the furnace. They said, throw us in. We still ain't bound. The question is, are you going to be obedient to God's word no matter what? Are we going to be obedient to God's word? Are we just going to go with the flow? I mean, it's 2021, y'all. Times have changed. I mean, we got to get on board. We got to be progressive, you know, we... If not, they're going to cancel us. Let me help you out. You can't cancel the canceled man. And if we would just do what Scripture says and says, deny your flesh, pick up your cross, and follow me, you'd be canceled already. They can't cancel you if you already canceled yourself. Cancel me. I don't care. Talk about me. I don't care. We're going to be obedient to God's Word. But what if we're not approved by culture? Listen to me. God never asks us to be approved by culture. He asks us to be obedient to his word. What area of your life is God asking you to obey his word in? I don't know what it is. Some of you, it's your finances. You're stingy. You don't tithe. You don't give. You don't take care of your money the right way. You're in debt over your head, and God's been screaming at you: "Get this right. Get this right. Do it right. Do it according to my word." I don't know what some of us—it's in sexuality. You're not living pure. You're expecting God to bless you when you're not living pure. You know what the Bible says about the pure? Blessed are the pure in heart. God won't bless you if you're not living pure. What Areas of sin, areas of unforgiveness, areas of bitterness that that we're just not responding to his word. We're not being obedient to his word. I don't know what area it is, but I do know this, that, that our love for Jesus is made evident in our obedience to him. Look what Jesus said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey. So number one, we must be obedient to God's word. Number two, we must be obedient to God's voice. When I say God's voice, this goes past just following his word. What is God specifically asking you to do? What what steps of faith is he specifically asking you to take? Who is he asking you to share your faith with? What what sacrifices is he asking you to make? The the Bible is full of these. That goes way beyond just God's word. They become personal to you, that God speaks to you and asks you to do something. Abraham, take your boy up to Moriah. Lamb on the altar, sacrifice him. Yes, sir. Noah, build a boat. What's a boat? It's gonna flood. What's a flood? It doesn't matter. Go and get two of every animal on the planet and be obedient. Moses, yes sir, go and free a nation that's bound in captivity. There's been many times God's asked me and Rachel to do things that we just had to obey. He's asked us to give sacrificially before and we did. He's asked us to move from one state to another before and we did. He's asked us to take steps of faith before and we did. And, and I wish I could sit here on this stage and tell you that I listened to God every single time and obeyed every single time, but we've missed it a few times too. There's been times I've heard God specifically say to do something, and I thought about the cost more than I did about being obedient to God. And I said, I'm not willing to do that. We gave him the fear, and in those times we, we were disobedient. Every day we're going to be given the opportunities to be obedient in both God's commands and God's voice. We're going to have to make a decision. Do I follow his commands or not? Do I follow his voice or not? Do I follow God or not? Am I obedient or disobedient? Sounds pretty straightforward, doesn't it? You're either obedient or disobedient, right? Hmm. Not so much in Christianity. In Christianity, I believe the biggest obstacle to obedience may not be disobedience. I believe the biggest obstacle that we face is delayed obedience. Let me close. Everybody say delayed obedience. What is delayed obedience? Any parents in the house? Mom and dad, tell me out. Many times in the Carroll house, I will ask my kids to do something, give them time to do it, then I will follow back up and ask them if they did what I asked them to do. That's what a good parent does, right? Clean your room, give them 20 minutes, come back, did you clean your room? Make your bed, give them time to make the bed, come back, did you make your bed? Do your homework. Give them time to do the homework. Come back. Did you do your homework? Take out the trash. You fill in the blank. And, 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 and my children have a saying. It, it is southern vernacular. If you're not from the south, ask somebody who's from here what this means. But my kids will tell me on occasion, Tim, after I told them to clean their room, gave them time to clean their room, more than ample amount of time to clean the room, Then go back and ask them the question, did you clean the room? My kids will use this southern vernacular, I was fixing to. (laughs) Fixing to. (laughs) How many know what fixing to means? It means you ain't even thought about it yet. (laughs) I was fixing to. Fixing to. I asked you last week. I was fixing to. They're always fixing to the moment you ask them again. You did your homework, I was fixing to. You take out the I was fixing to, dad. You made your bed, I was fixing to. Fixing to. Everybody say fixing to. Here's the dare for that. You got to use fixing to in at least three sentences for the rest of the day. Fixing to. Your husband's going to ask you, you going to make me dinner? I was fixing to. to. When my child tells me they were fixing to, here's what it means. It means that they know that it was important to their father. It just wasn't as important to them. I'm fixing to. I'm about to, if you're from up north. I was getting around to it, Dad. I'll do it later. That is delayed obedience. Listen to me. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Do you know how you want your kids to respond when you say clean your room? The way that God expects us to respond when he asks us to do something. How did Peter and the apostles respond when the angel of the Lord said, I broke you out, go to the temple? Oh, let us go regather our things. It says in the middle of the night, they went to the temple and started preaching. I'm saying that because I think Christians, we've been telling God I'm fixing to for way too long. When are you going to start that day? I'm going to get around to it. When the time's right, listen to me. The time ain't going to never be right. You just gotta take a step of faith when God speaks, you gotta respond. We've been telling God, I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to. When you gonna get right with that sin, I'm fixing to, God. When you gonna stop shacking up, I'm fixing to. When you gonna take that step of faith, I'm fixing to. Look how the psalmist responds to God's commands in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 60. I hurried and did not delay to keep your commandments. Look at the expediency. Look at the urgency. When you gave a command, I hurried. I did not delay. I did not waste my time. Peter and the boys didn't delay. You want me to go to the, 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 the temple and priest? We're on our way. When given the opportunity to be obedient, they weren't fixing to. They just did it as quickly as possible as possible what areas of our lives are we walking in delayed obedience what does he ask you to do that you keep saying i'm fixing to but you haven't done yet what sins has he been convicting you of that you've been saying one day i'm going to get this area right one day i'm going to quit this addiction one day i'm going to lay it at the altar but you haven't done it yet what steps of faith is he asking you to take and you just keep putting them off, waiting for the conditions to be perfect? Listen to me. Whatever it is that you plan on doing that you haven't done yet, it's still disobedience. Delayed obedience. Everybody say delayed obedience one more time. It's probably six or seven years ago, I was on the golf course. That's where I go to clear my mind. I'm either in a, a duck blind, a deer stand, or the golf course. That's, that's where I go. And, and I'm, on the, I'm on the golf course and, I'm walking. I have a a walking bag on, and and I'm walking to my ball. And there's a there's a Snickers wrapper, like right over here. But my ball's like way up there. Okay, have you ever heard the voice? Y'all heard that too? Pick it up. Okay, I ain't picking it up. I didn't put it there. I don't even like Snickers. Stupid snigger eater, I, I'm not. I'm not picking it up. I'm not picking it up. Pick it up. I'm not picking it up. Pick it up. I'm not. Pick, I've already passed it up. I can't pick it up now. I'm going to hit my ball, y'all. I go over. My ball's 80 yards down the fairway. I get to my ball. I stand over. I got my club out. I can't even think about my shot because all I'm thinking about is go pick it up. I stand over my ball for four minutes. I'm not picking. Just go pick it up. Go pick it up. If you don't pick it up now, the rest of your round is going to be miserable. I put my club back in my bag. I walk 80 yards there, pick it up, put it in my pocket, get back to my bag. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Delayed obedience will always cost you extra steps. It will cost you time, energy. It will cost you entire seasons because you didn't do what you knew you needed to do when you got asked to do it. Don't be a fix-and-to follower. Respond when he says to do it. This morning, here's how I want to pray for you. If you have areas of disobedience... You just know, I'm not right in this area of my life. I haven't been obedient to God's word in this area of my life. Would you just raise your hand, be bold enough to raise your hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bunch of hands. Some of you, if you have areas of delayed obedience, you've been meaning to get around to it. You've been fixing to for a long time that's you raise your hand I want to put this verse back on the screen whatever area that you thought it was it could be a sin that you haven't given to him it could be an act of faith it could be sacrificial giving it could have been a move that he's asking you to make I want to put it back on the screen Psalm 119 here it is whatever it was write this down Psalm 119 here it is I hurried I hurried And I did not delay to keep your commandments, to keep what you ask me to do. I want to pray over you. Don't go anywhere when I'm finished, Donna, because i got one more thing I want to share with you that's very important. Raise your hand again. If you had your hand up for disobedience or delayed obedience, here it is right now. Father, for everyone under the sound of my voice, let this be our heart's cry. God, that when you speak and we know what to do, that we will hurry. We will not delay. God, there's people in here today, God, that there's, there's sins they need to lay at your feet. There's unforgiveness and bitterness they need to lay at your feet. God, there's issues they need to lay at your feet. God, others of us, we, we've heard your voice and we've been putting it off. We, we've been saying we're fixing to do it. And you've asked us to share a faith, God. You've asked us to start a ministry. You've asked us to step out. You've asked us, you've asked us, you've asked us, and we've been waiting for the conditions to be right. And God, today, God, we just, we stand on your word. This is, we will hurry, we will not delay in what you've asked us to do. And God, just as the apostles prayed, give us the boldness and the courage and the wisdom to do what it is that you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.